Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's good, to, good to be back home. Uh, I know many people in the room, uh, not, not everyone, so I'll try to hug every person before I leave, uh, if you'll give me a chance. Uh, I, was, uh, I was joking with someone before, and they reminded me of the verse that uh, a prophet is without honor in his own town. Um, but I shared with them that I'm actually from Sterling, Ohio, so I'm expecting this to go a lot better than they were, they were trying to forecast on me. So uh, my name is, is Mark, as Bud mentioned. Uh, for the people that I don't know, I grew up here. Uh, in this church, and uh, since then have, have moved to uh, Columbus and have uh, been active in church planting. I lead a church uh, in Hilliard that's called Movement Church, and as Bud mentioned, we've been able to uh, plant a, a couple churches out of our church. Uh, if you picture Columbus like a clock, I live at 9 o'clock. That's a good visual. That's for me at least. And uh, we, we planted a church uh, about four years ago called Three Creeks Church uh, that's over at 3 o'clock, and uh, this last year we, we sent a team of people in the middle of the clock south of campus there a little bit, planted Contrast Church. Uh, and, and so uh, your, your investment in us, I remember that, I think one of the last times I was here, I was here for the 100-year anniversary, and then I, I came as we were support raising uh, to be church planners, and uh, your, your investment has now resulted in, in three churches. So uh, I've said thank you a couple times, but I, but I want to say thank you again uh, just for what God's done exponentially uh, through your generosity and through your investment in us, and even your investment as I was uh, younger, so that's uh, that's a little bit about me and a little bit about our church. Uh, I don't have any of my family with me today. I'm usually more confident when they're with me because uh, my wife makes me look good and my kids are cute. And so, feeling feeling kind of awkward up here with no no cuteness. Uh, I, I talked to some people in the lobby and I said, "You don't have as much hair as the last time I saw you." I didn't have a comeback. I was like, "Yeah, you're totally right." So I think I, I brought a picture of my family. I think you guys might have that. Got it? Yeah. All right. So they're, they're cute, at least. It's, it's, scroll through there a couple, couple slides there, guys. It'll come up. There we go. There they are. That's the crew. So uh, Malachi is 13. Maybe he's starting to look like the, the last time you, you saw me. Uh, he's, he actually looks like that, but Canaan's 11, and Mercy is 8, and Zion's 6. So that's them. We've had a, a crazy couple weeks. I actually went on sabbatical uh, this summer. We went on a cross-country trip, and then we were doing Momentum Conference and Access, and uh, all kinds of things, and so no one was even awake when I left the house today, but uh, they're, they're getting the house ready. We're having a cookout for 75 people tonight, so I put the boys in charge, said, you got to mow the yard, you got to get stuff ready, and they assured me they would, and they would not play video games, so we'll see, see how that goes. So uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, share a story this morning as, uh, as I got going. Uh, sometimes I know pastors, uh, pastors share stories, and it's uh, right, oh, right in there, all right, good to know. Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, I know pastors share stories, and I think sometimes people always think, like, did that really happen? Did he just make that up? Uh, this, this is a story that, that is true, and uh, it might make you uh, judge my, my brother-in-law a little bit, but I thought I'd tell this story anyway. So a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was at uh, family Christmas, and my, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, did you, did you meet my date? And I said, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to meet her. And he said, well, before you get any ideas, because I know you think everyone should be married, 
uh, he said, uh, you know, we're just kind of kind of hanging out for the the holidays. And uh, I said, oh, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of a kind of a holiday thing. And I said, what's a holiday thing? And uh, he said, well, you know, you guys have all been married for a long time. People bring dates and. You know, I just have to drive to family Christmas alone, so this year I was thinking it'd be really cool if someone was in the car with me and someone could give me presents. And uh, now you know why I said you would judge him. I was starting to judge him here about this point, too. And uh, uh, he said, uh, it's just a holiday thing. And I said, um, okay. And I was doing the math. I'm like, I don't think I want my sons hanging out with this guy. You know, I'm starting, starting to process this. And... Uh, what he said next kind of blew my mind. He said, I've already thought through the timeline, and I'm thinking we'll break up around January 11th. And in that moment, I thought, who are you, and why am I friends with you, right? And uh, that's, that's what he said, though. This really happened. Just, he said, just enough after the holidays that I won't look too bad, uh, and hopefully we can still be friends. And uh, you're probably thinking this guy needs to grow up. He needs to uh, maybe settle down and, and commit. And, you know, maybe, maybe there are other people in the room today that have witnessed a relationship like that. You don't have to, we're not going to have you raise your hand if you've been in one or anything. But, but maybe you've, you've seen a relationship like that. Maybe you've witnessed a relationship like that. Maybe you've been in one yourself. And I think that most of us would agree that that is not the way that a relationship should look. I think most of us would agree that's not what commitment looks like. And I'm, I'm not telling this story today to make anyone in the room sweat or think that we're here to talk about relationships. I tell that story uh, because it's, it's representative. I want to bring that up this morning as an example of how I believe many people approach their relationship with the local church. A lot of us are, are casual in our relationship with the local church. We're kind of committed. We kind of flirt with the local church at times. We keep the local church on the line. We, at moments, have something to gain from that relationship. And at other times, we're, we're looking for another plan, a better plan. And so this morning, I want to just lead us through some passages in Ephesians and talk about our relationship with the local church. In fact, here's the, the big idea for the day. If this clicker, am I smart enough to make it work? Yes. Can I do it, guys? All right, here we go. I promise I've done this before. All right, here we go. Big idea. The, the church is God's plan to redeem the world and grow us. That's one of the, the threads that we can see in the, the book of Ephesians. And so I hope to guide us in a discussion of that today. Now, I know, admittedly, that's a funny thing for a guy who works for the local church to say. I, I sometimes, I think when you say things as a, as a pastor, people think like, you're saying this because you get a raise somehow in this, or, or this will help make your job and your life better. I promise that's not the case, all right? I believe this is a thread uh, that we can see. And so we already uh, looked at a, a passage in Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, a church that he had planted, a church that he had started, a church that he had visited and, and spent time with, and a church that he wanted to make sure was anchored in their faith and anchored in the gospel. And part of that plan, part of that process, part of what Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to know, what he wanted them to see and live out, was God's design of the church and the purpose of the church and the role of the church in our lives. And so I want to just read uh, Ephesians 1 again, if that's all right, that passage there, 1, 13 to 23. I'm going to be reading from the, the New Living Translation. Maybe you have that translation, maybe you don't. I love the way that this is worded, and I love that it sets up the gift that we've been given of the gospel, the fact that Jesus gave his life for us, and now we can live for him, we can, we can worship him with our lives, and we can participate in the body of Christ. So let me read Ephesians 1, 13 again. It says this, And now you also have heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. 
And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he gave him the authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. There's kind of some bullet points there that would be pretty major of what it looks like to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus, and, and to live for him. And so Paul's kind of outlining these things quickly, and he says that when we follow Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit to guide us. God gave us a part of himself to walk with us and to show us what it looks like to live for him. He also mentions that we're given the church to help us grow and walk. He says if we're going to have spiritual wisdom and understanding... If we're going to fathom our future, our inheritance, the greatness and the power we have in Jesus, and all the things that we've been given to benefit us, it's going to happen when we're plugged into his body, the church. The body of Jesus Christ is the church. And so if you're a note taker today, if you're one of those people that likes to fill in the blank, or if you're doodling, I won't judge you, I'll never know, I can't see your notes, but you can, you can write this down. This is the first point here this morning we want to make out of that passage. Out of verse 23, the church is his body, it's filled by Christ, who fills everything everywhere with his presence. The church proclaims the fullness of God. The church proclaims the fullness of God. And I know that saying great things about the church can sometimes be complicated because if, if you get on a news website or you watch the news today, people are telling you how evangelicals have, have let the world down. And you hear stories sometimes, the, the downsides of church. And there are many people that have a complicated relationship with the church. That's the tension of when sinful people are representing a, a perfect God. And all the time, I'll, I'll meet people at soccer games, and they'll say, what do you do? And I'm thinking, how can I say this? How, you know, I, I almost want to say, I work in the nonprofit world or something. Because as soon as I say I'm a pastor, often, I'm sure you've had this happen, but they'll say, oh, I used to go to church, then everybody made me mad. And, and you just like hear crickets, and you don't know what to say next, right? Because you're thinking, all right, this, this got a little awkward. And Yet we're told that the church proclaims the fullness of God. And so I think you could even kind of reverse that statement and think if you want to know the fullness of God, there are going to be some other places that you can see it and hear it. But if you're not part of the church, if you're not making your home in the church, you're going to be missing out on seeing and hearing the fullness of God. If you've... Got uh, Ephesians 1 there. Go ahead and turn over a couple pages to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to read uh, another verse to us as we continue this thread of talking about God's gift of the church. Ephesians 3.10 says this. God's purpose was to show his wisdom 
in all its rich variety to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. They will see this when Jews and Gentiles are joined together in the church. This was his plan from all eternity, and it has now been carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're told that the church is a a picture. We're told that rulers and authorities in heavenly places look down at God's work through the church with amazement and wonder. And so we've already said that the church proclaims the fullness of God. Well, you can add to the list that the church proclaims the wisdom of God. The church proclaims the fullness of God and the church proclaims the wisdom of God. And we all know that we've been given God's word. We have the Bible. We can, we can hear and, and read and experience his wisdom every time we open his word. And that's a wonderful gift. And yet, based on these passages, we can also know that we can hear the wisdom of God. We can experience the wisdom of God when we're interacting with the church and when we're with the body of Christ. The church proclaims the fullness of God and the church proclaims the wisdom of God. I'm going to read chapter 3, verse 20. It says this, Now glory be to God by His mighty power at work within us, He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. The church proclaims the fullness of God. The church proclaims the wisdom of God. And the church is God's plan to display his power and glory. There are many ways that we can see and know and experience God. But one that we cannot overlook is the gift of Of his church. God is is incredible. God is infinite. We can look all around. We can see him in creation. We see his his might on display. We see that he holds our lives and the universe and all of the things that he's made together. And yet, as I look at this passage, it says that God's power and glory are on unique display in the church. I feel that and I trust that and I know that today. I drove up from Columbus early this morning and I had some feelings of nostalgia. I went through the metropolis I already mentioned of Sterling, Ohio, and I was thinking back to elementary school. And I, I, got, I, I got to be honest, I pulled off. I took some pictures of places. I just wanted to remember nothing I saw on my drive this morning gave me the, the nostalgia that I, that I see right now. I see God's power and glory in this room. And I see God's power and glory in the body of Christ and in the personalities and the gifts and the investments of people in this room. We can see God's power and glory and we can experience God's power and glory uniquely when we're committed to his church. Let me read chapter 4, verse 11. If you want to turn a couple of pages, it says this. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and fully grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different. Or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We've already said a lot of great things about the church. We said the church proclaims the fullness of God. The church proclaims the wisdom of God. The church is God's plan to display His power and glory. And I want you to know also this morning that the church is where God gifts and grows His people. And I know that many of you have experienced that and and seen that. I experienced that myself in this room and in this building. That's where I learned my spiritual gifts in the the halls, in the the basement of this church. It's where I was first looking at at the concept of leadership. It's where I first learned what it looked like to teach. And I know that your stories are the same as you've worked in children's ministries, as you've done music, as you've even done things like setup and, and serving people. God gifts and grows his people in his church and through his church. And as we live out those gifts, as we work in those gifts, we're able to encourage each other And there's a special power that's visible as we're working in the church. The church is where we cut our teeth and where we grow. It's where we use our gifts. You were not just given your gifts, your spiritual gifts, so that people could be impressed with you or so that your neighbor could know that you're really talented. You were given your gifts, your abilities, so that you could build God's church, so that you could grow the church. Not many people are aware of their gifts or find out their gifts by visiting a website or, or reading a book. Our involvement and our commitment to the church is where God grows us and lets us experience our gifts. I want to read chapter 5, verse 25 of Ephesians, if you want to, again, turn over a few pages there. It says this, chapter 5, verse 25. And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. We've already said the church proclaims the fullness of God. The church proclaims the wisdom of God. The church is God's plan to display his power and glory. And the church is where God gifts and grows his people. Last uh, point we'll make here is just that the church is the bride of Christ, the eternal object of the Lord's affection. I think sometimes we, we hear that, maybe we've known that, we've experienced that, and yet sometimes those words lose their meaning. The church is the bride of of Christ. Most of us understand that, that passage uh, a little bit. I actually uh, I, I looked up yesterday how many weddings have I done since, since being a pastor, and the number was, uh, it was 65. Yesterday I, I did what I called a, a half wedding. The couple got married 18 months ago because of COVID, and yesterday they had a party for their friends and family, so I don't know if that counts or not. So we'll just say 65 and a half, all right? We're right there. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing because, you, you know, as you, as you prepare for a wedding, I'm sure you've been to family members' weddings, but sometimes when you're there for the rehearsal, you get to see just the behind-the-scenes things and exactly what's going on. And usually we'll, we'll run the rehearsal, we'll have everyone set up, and we'll, we'll get them in their places, we'll walk through the ceremony, we'll have everyone walk out and walk back in. 
And so usually when I'm standing there with the groom and, and there's that part where his bride is walking in at the rehearsal, you know, they're usually holding like some bows taped to a paper plate. It's not very impressive, but it's, it's the, the setup. And I'll always jokingly say to them, hey, this is the part where you start crying. You know, I'm just, just teasing them a little bit. And, and almost every time the, the groom will say, oh, I'm, I'm not a crier. You know, they, they're talking to another guy and they want to appear tough. And without fail, I would say 90% of grooms the next day, the next evening, they see the, the woman that they've been waiting on, the woman they've been, they've been praying for, waiting their whole life, and they just start bawling like a baby. And uh, I always say, hey, thanks for not crying. Or I'll whisper something to them like that. You know, there, there's just something magical about that concept of a bride because you've been waiting for love, you've been praying for love, you've been devoted to them, you've been pursuing them, and you've made a promise to them. And the magnitude of that moment and of that, that relationship just means something. People can't get over that. It's not just a, a day about cake. Being a bride means something. And it has some magnitude and, and weight to it. And so you and your bride are, are one flesh. You and your bride are one and the same. The other day, my family was at the mall and my son said, hey, dad, why are you staring at that guy? And I said, because he's, he's looking at my bride, so I just want to let him know I'm here, right? There's, there's, a, there's a sense that you're the protector. There's a sense that that, that person is, is yours, and, and you don't own them, but you love them, and you, you cherish them. And so when the church is persecuted, when the bride is persecuted, Jesus is persecuted. And when the church rejoices, Jesus rejoices. And when the church is rejected... Jesus is rejected. But if we're going to love Jesus, if we're going to be in relationship with him, if we're going to walk with him, if we're going to walk after him, we have to love him and we have to have a heart for the things that he has a heart for. And you cannot say that you love Jesus. You cannot say that you're walking with Jesus. You can't say that you have a heart for Jesus and not love the things that he loves. And he loves his church. He loves the church, his bride. He gave his life for the church. He laid down his life willingly to love his church. He's not just sometimes interested in the church. He's not sometimes around the church. He's not slightly committed to the church. He didn't sort of give part of his life. He gave all of himself to the church because he loves the church and that's his bride. The church is the bride of Christ, the eternal object of the Lord's affection. So if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to know the fullness of God, if you want to know the wisdom of God, if you want to see and display the power and glory of God, if you want to know God's gifts and you want to grow in him, if you want to be the bride of Christ and eternally pursued and part of God's affection, if you want to reflect the heart of Jesus you need to be a part of his body, the church. The church is God's plan to redeem the world and grow us. So what does all this mean? Why would I drive up from Columbus today to, to say that? I know you were probably thinking, isn't he going to talk about Bud? That's coming in a little bit. We've got some nice things. I have a surprise I didn't tell you about too, but I'm really excited about it. We'll get to that in a little bit though. But why would I, why would I drive up here and say hey, the church, the church matters. Well, obviously, this church is in the middle of a, of a transition. What a gift to have someone faithfully serve you for almost four decades. And, and yet, with, with transition and change, 
things start to start to look different. And sometimes it changes our view on the church. We can often think, oh, the church is a building, the church is this person, the church is, is that person, or this situation, or these relationships. And that I wanted to just remind us that the church is more than that. I'm hoping that you've been doing some thinking and some eternal math there today and thought, what does my relationship with the church look like? What's my commitment or lack thereof to the church? So I want to just give us some, some examples of things I've experienced through the years, maybe some ways that, it, that it, it's not really a commitment. These are some examples of, of what not to do. When I was a, a student pastor, I was a student pastor on the north side of Columbus in Powell for seven years, and we always had small groups that were a part of our student ministry. My wife, Kristen, led a girls group, and always the, the first night we would get together, and we would just have kind of a, hey, let's define the terms kind of meeting. We would say, this is a small group. We want to be in community. We want to be the body of Christ, and we want to be committed to each other. So hopefully you can make it a priority to be here and, and to be a part of this group. Pretty normal thing you would say. Probably every coach would say something like that at the start of a season. You're boss would tell you something similar and the next week uh, Kristen said hey hold on I gotta I'm gonna go to the bathroom before we go down to student ministry and I was like all right I'll just wait here in the hallway for you and a minute passed and a couple minutes and I was hanging out and waiting on her and 10 minutes later she comes out and she has this look on her face if you've been married for a week you know that that's not a great look right you got to say what's going on what's wrong and so I did she said, this lady cornered me in the bathroom. I don't know, she's yelling at me. And I was like, what did she say? Here's what she said. She came up to her and she said, hey, I told you that my, my daughter's not a, not a leader. And my daughter can't come to your Bible study. And then she began shouting, attendance does not equal commitment. Attendance does not equal commitment. And pretty awkward thing to be yelling in the bathroom, right? Attendance does not equal commitment. What this lady was mad about was her family was a, was a big traveling soccer family. And they would drive to other areas of the state five nights a week for games and scrimmages and practices. And they were playing on one and two club teams. And her daughter wasn't going to be able to be a part of this small group and felt some of that tension. And so she went home and told her mom that she wasn't welcome in that community, wasn't welcome at that Bible study. And that hadn't been said, but that's how she, she interpreted that. And so I think the mom was going through this turmoil where she really realized that she had made soccer the lord of her family and it was taking her family out of church and so she came up with that catchphrase attendance does not equal commitment because i think it made her feel good imagine skipping work for two weeks and telling your boss that hey attendance does not equal commitment i'm still in here in fact i'd love to get paid but i'm not going to be around for a while right Imagine telling a coach that, hey, me and the family going to the Florida Keys, but when I come back, still want to start varsity. Attendance does equal commitment. Now, I'm not here to shame anyone that's going on vacation. I just went on a four-week trip. It happens, all right? But we need to show a commitment to Jesus, and we need to show a commitment to the local church. And a piece of that, a part of that is absolutely our presence. It's absolutely our attendance. Attendance does equal commitment. Sometimes our attendance lacks commitment, as I kind of already mentioned, because we're, we're kind of dating two things, right? I, I've met families that are, that are traveling and doing so much for soccer that they're, they're not around, and it's okay to play soccer. It's very okay to play soccer. I coach soccer. I love soccer. 
and it's very okay to go on vacation. But sometimes we have to look at our lives and we have to say, all right, what am I worshiping? What am I committed to? If people looked at my life, would they, would they see that I have a, a bride? Would they see that I care about the bride of Christ? Or would they think that I was just kind of playfully dating two things and maybe even planning a breakup when no one's watching? So attendance equals commitment. We have to make sure that we're committed and not just flirting and, and dating some of our hobbies. Another area that I, I just want to highlight quick is our, our finances. I know as soon as a pastor brings up finances, everyone's like, oh, where's this going? Are they going to take a double offering today or something? What's, what's going on? Jesus was pretty clear in, in Scripture that he said our heart and our money are connected. And so if you're loving Jesus and you're worshiping Jesus and you're walking with Jesus and you're engaged and committed to his church, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention I think that that should show up in your bank account. You can get mad at me if you want, but I'll be two hours away, so I thought it was safe to say that today. But our commitment and our love of Jesus should show up on our bank statement in some way. A couple years ago, our church was getting ready to add elders for the first time, and I don't see what people give or really know that, but we, we thought it would be important that the, the people we were going to put in place would would be men of integrity and would embody everything that we were asking of everyone else. And, and the church that was our accountability said, what you should do is have your finance team look up uh, if people are giving consistently and just, just make sure that those guys have a, a record of giving as you're going to add elders. And so we, we did. And there were a couple guys there was no problem with. And there was one guy that had been leading a small group, had been faithful, had been loyal. And we... We got word that he had never given one dollar since attending the church. And that's not to, I don't want to sound like a Pharisee and, and say, oh, this, this is all, his, his salvation is based on what he gives or anything like that. But I have to be honest, it was, it was disheartening to hear that his, his heart was not in the local church. His, his money was not tied to the local church. The places that we put our money are the places we care about. And if Jesus loves the local church, we have to love the local church. I'll stop talking about money so that I can still hug some people when I leave, all right? I already mentioned that uh, your church is, is getting ready to go through quite a, a transition. And uh, we have a, a joke on, on staff at the church I lead that whenever I say the phrase, my church, I'm not actually talking about the church I attend. They, they joke, they're like, are you talking about Ritman still? And it's always like, yeah, actually I am. I, I still use the phrase, my church and my pastor. And they're like, aren't you your pastor? And I'm like, no, no, no. His name is Bud. You've never met him, but just, just trust me. And so uh, this, this church is, is near and dear to my heart. And I know that you're going to be going through some, some transitions. And I know that things aren't going to be the, the way that they've been or the way that they used to be. But I want you to know that, that God does not change. And his word does not change. And his design of the church, his commitment to the church, does not change. And truth does not change. And if we're committed to the gospel, if we're committed to God's word, if we're committed to his church because we want to respond with our lives and live for him, then this truth doesn't change. The church is God's plan to redeem the world and grow us. 
And my prayer for this church is that this will be a transition. This will be a change. But it will be a wonderful change that you'll look back and say, God was faithful in that time. And we saw the beauty of God's design of the church. We saw the beauty of what he was doing. We saw his faithfulness. And we saw that the church was never about one person or one personality or one gift. The church is about God. The church is about growing us in our relationship with God. And the church is God's plan to redeem the world. Let me pray, and then I know we're going to have some, uh, some singing, some worship. And then I've got that surprise for you. But Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, Lord. Even when we're lost in our sin, even when we're separated from you, you wanted us to be near you and know you. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. We thank you that you've designed the church to redeem the world, to proclaim the gospel, and to grow us, to give us community, and to give us a home. And Lord, I thank you uh, for all the ways I experienced that and, and knew that here as part of this church body. And I thank you for their faithfulness, for their investment in me. And Lord, I pray for this next season, these next years under transition. Lord, I pray that their hearts will be anchored in truth. Their hearts will be anchored in the gospel. Lord, I pray that their commitment to the church will be strong. And I pray, Lord, that they will proclaim your wisdom your fullness and your power and glory and all the things that the church is designed to do to this community, to their friends, to their family, and to the world. God, I thank you for the chance to look in your word this morning. We thank you for the chance just to worship you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.